Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, north to south, coast to coast, and all those spots in between. Yeah, hey, that's a kind of a cool intro. Huh. Anyways, a good evening. Welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode 439 on this June 17th, 2020. And, yeah, it's the uh, what should have been week two in the Canadian Football League. But as we know, the coronavirus made that not so much the case, and we still don't know when and if we're going to get a CFL 2020. There's some rumbling and stuff like that, but uh, the PA and the league are kind of at each other's throats right now, which is never a good thing. Ask Major League Baseball. And right now, it's more up in the air than it's probably ever been. But, uh, hey, we can keep our fingers crossed and... uh, see what happens, but regardless of what happens, we're not going anywhere. We'll be here every Wednesday night uh, talking football, talking, well, we talk about all sorts of things on this show. Football is the main focus of stuff like, of course, but you know what? We always tend to go off into other discussions sometimes. It's not just football here, even though that is the main topic, but we go on to all sorts of different things, so uh, thanks for listening. If you are listening and now, or if you are downloading this on one of the uh, downloadable uh, uh, podcasts, wherever you download your podcast, whether it be iTunes, whether it be uh, TuneIn, or wherever you uh, hear us, we thank you for joining us and welcome you to tonight's show. Uh, interesting show. Um, we're going to do our fake game previews. It's previewing week two in the CFL, even though there will not be games played. We've come up with a um, with kind of a system on how we're going to declare winners in these games. We've got some help from Steven Sparksman. Uh, I don't know if he sent in uh, the results from last. Oh, you know what? I think he did, and I think I went four for four. Go figure, huh? I think I'm leading the pack. I'll have to look that up because I think Steven Sparksman sent through um, actual numbers from who won in our predictions last week. We've got four more games to predict this week, as well as various other topics uh, from around the Canadian Football League uh, to discuss. Um, lots of things here, the different options of whether or not they're going to be back playing, the Toronto Argonauts and the salary cap, uh, CFL um, joining up with other leagues to uh, get into a single game betting, and all sorts of different topics for tonight's show, so it should be an interesting one. Uh, Just a uh, quick programming note, Uh, I'm your host tonight, Charles Cliff, uh, because uh, CJ is under the weather right now, so to speak. He's not feeling well, so uh, uh, we hope uh, he gets better soon and uh, is back, hopefully, in the hosting chair next week, so tonight you got to put up with me as your host as we hear the sounds of radios going off all over the place. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Some people say they like me, so why not? We'll go forward. 
But fortunately for you, it's not just me that's going to be talking tonight. I've got two other gentlemen, well, two other men, gentlemen, we'll let you decide on that one, joining us tonight, one from Alberta and one from Manitoba. So we've got the western part of BC uh, pretty well um, covered, except for Saskatchewan, or western part of Canada, not western part of BC. There goes the perfect broadcast. Uh, no one from Saskatchewan, that's because Phil doesn't phone in anymore, probably because we keep bringing up the 2009 Grey Cup, which he doesn't like to talk about, but we've got two other people that love talking about the 2009 Grey Cup, and I'm going to bring them in now. First thing, we're going uh, west to east, we're going to go to Alberta and bring Will on to the show tonight. Good evening, Will. How are you this evening? I'm good, Charles. That's I'm good. good. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh... Wondering what we're going to talk about tonight, but I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. And and before we do our picks, you have to explain this whole thing to me, please, because I don't understand, oh. if that's okay. possible. Well, yes. the problem was I was going to ask you to explain it to me, so that might be a little more difficult. Maybe Mark yeah, but you uh, went, can understand. You went four it. for four, so should I just copy you? I don't know. That was I think that was just dumb luck. Um, okay. Maybe, uh, but that's okay. Uh, so we're going to bring on um, uh, Mark. Maybe he knows how we're scoring this thing. Uh, good evening, Mark. How are you doing tonight out in Manitoba? I'm doing great, and no chance in hell do I understand how this rolling the dice thing works. Uh, I just mm-hmm. pick the teams. Whatever. Somebody else can figure it out for me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just trying to figure it out here. Now, I'm just looking at these messages here. Where did that, where did that go here? Um, uh, this was last, this is last week. Uh, okay, here's, came up with a way to play the game. So, I'm just, I'm just, Stephen Sparkman sent out, uh, I think he sent out kind of rules here on how he's going to score this thing. I'll see if I can try and make it a little bit more. Uh, you know what? My damn Internet tonight is giving me fits. It has been since before the show started. That's why I was so late getting everybody online, because my Internet keeps disconnecting. Hey, Shaw, get your Internet uh, connections figured out here, because uh, it's driving me nuts here. Okay, here's something coming up here. Okay, so, all right, this is what... Steven Sparksman sense, so we'll see if we can make sense of this. Teams will be ranked each week. For the purposes of week one, the final standing from last season will be used. Tiebreakers decided as follows. Win-loss records, points for and against, difference, and coin toss. Okay, games will be played by a throw of two dice. The home team throws first, the visiting team throws second. The score is decided by the result of the dice throw. Example, a two and a three will be the the team score for the game will be 23. The random dice throwing tool. So basically, you roll a two and a three, you get 23. To avoid completely random outcome, the home team gets five points added to their score for some reason, and the higher ranked team gets five points added to their score for some reason. Podcast will pick the winner of each game. The pick is either right, wrong, or tied. Really, I would have never guessed. Two points are awarded for each correct pick. One point 
for each tie pick and zero points for incorrect pick. The overall standings will be maintained. So if you can make any sense out of that, you're a better man than me because I just read through the entire thing, and I'm still freaking confused. But um, anyways, I don't I'm know if that helped at all. To, um pick the games like I normally would. You just pick scores out of your head, and away you go. Yeah, me too. And then uh, let uh, Steven Sparksman add it up. Yep. But um, there was somewhere... And thank you, Steven, for doing this. It makes it more interesting. Yeah, thank you, uh, absolutely, as an impartial third party. I'm just trying to find out where he he put um, the the last week's... Um, you went four and zero last week. I went four and zero somehow. Uh, like I said, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, where are we? I went four and zero. Mark, you got three right. You got six points. CJ got three right. He got six points. And Will got two right. Uh, so he got two points. So, as it came out here. It had BC beating Edmonton 25-24. to Toronto beat Ottawa, get this, 71-69. to <laughs> I'm guessing if those two teams actually played, we would not have gotten that score. Uh, we had Montreal, Calgary beating Montreal 64-26. to and Winnipeg in the Grey Cup rematch, Winnipeg beats Hamilton forty two to thirty five. So um yeah, so I got uh, that's how it came out. Again, Steven Sparksman, you're scoring this. I'm gonna leave it in your hands because I don't still don't understand the scoring. But the bottom line is I went four for four for four. C J and Mark both go three for four and Will goes two for four. And we'll see what happens next week. And I'm sure it'll be less confusing by then. But we'll see. But anyways, those were our results from week one. And we're going to go into week two now, I guess. We no time like the present. Uh, because there are four more games that would be played um, had COVID-19 hits. And we're going to go through and we're going to try and predict them all. So let me just bring them up here, and we'll start here at week two. So the first game, week two, would have actually been tomorrow night at McMahon Stadium in Calgary. Will, you probably would have been at this one. And it's the BC Lions for the second week in a row on the road, uh, still in Alberta. They're in Calgary at McMahon Stadium against the Calgary Stampeders. Will, you being in Calgary, you would have been at this game. I'll let you uh, have the honors on this game. Okay. Yeah, I guess I would have been at this game. It would have been the first game of the year. Now, would would that have that would be nope, the next game, I'm assuming? Oh, second nope. game. Oh, yeah, because they would have hosted Montreal that, right? last week. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, well, the question... Now, did BC win last week or did they lose? They did. They according, beat Edmonton last week, according to Steve Sparkman. They beat them. They beat them twenty-five to twenty-four. Twenty-five to twenty-four. Okay. Well, Calgary's always better according than, the than Edmonton, or that at least they have been for the last five years, more or less. So, um, 
Oh, what a, how am I going to pick this? Well, I'm never going to pick BC against Calgary. A home opener for Calgary. Calgary doesn't lose at home very often. So I'm going to pick Calgary. Do I have to pick a number or not? Or is Stephen doing no, that you don't for have us? No, you don't have to pick the number. You just pick the winner. So Calgary over BC every yep. day and twice on Sunday. But remember, whenever you pick the Lions, they seem to lose. So, just saying. But he's still going to pick Calgary. So, we'll see if the I dice. I can't uh, pick the Lions against Calgary. Okay. Yeah. I just can't. Uh, okay, Mark, uh, your turn. And, you know, if you look at it from last year's, I'm going to have to go with Calgary, too. Um, BC's. T- Two games in now. Yeah, they won last week, apparently. But the offensive line, I don't know if they can hold up against Calgary's defensive line and might see a lot of Riley on his back yet again. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to go with Calgary. Yep. Well, I'm going to be my uh, typical average uh, everyday homer uh, like I always am. I'm going to pick the Lions, even though to start the season off uh, with two uh, back-to-back road wins in Alberta, I'm not sure many teams uh, would actually fare very well in that. That's not exactly um, that's not exactly what you would pick if you were picking your own schedule to go back-to-back in Edmonton and Calgary. That's a horrific start uh, for any team. Uh, but yeah, I'll go, um, I'm picking BC to win this one, um, yeah, because, yes, let's face it, A, I'm a homer, and B, the game's not really being played, it's being decided by rolling of a dice, so, hey, what the hell, you got probably a 50-50 shot, so, uh, yeah, I'll pick BC, I'm being the homer. All right, uh, uh, game two, Friday night football, the Montreal Alouettes are in Saskatchewan, for the Rough Riders home opener at the Toilet Bowl. Uh, um, did you get CJ's picks? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I did get his. He sent his picks yeah, in right in for the show. Uh, let's, I don't even have to look at this. He picked BC. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so week two, like I said, Friday Night Football, the Montreal Alouettes are in Saskatchewan to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in their... Not only their home opener, but their season opener. They had a bye in week one. So, Montreal at Saskatchewan. Montreal, an up-and-coming team. Saskatchewan, well, Saskatchewan, sometimes they're good, sometimes they suck. Uh, Mark, um, I'll let you start with this game. That's a good way to put it. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they suck. Yep. Uh, That's ideal, actually. This game is being played in Saskatchewan. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I'm taking Saskatchewan. Montreal's yeah, but... up and coming, but Saskatchewan looks very strong if we ever get on the field. Um, yeah, goodbye, Montreal. They're going to get killed. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It's going to be a rabid crowd as always. Yep. All right, Will, um, what do you think? Montreal in Saskatchewan. Well, you know what? Montreal in Saskatchewan. Montreal in Saskatchewan. 
You know what? I think this year or Montreal is a question mark because they did lose some guys over the off season, um, but they still have they still have their nucleus or core group of guys. Um, and I'm never gonna pick Saskatchewan. Who am I kidding? Montreal <laughs> over Saskatchewan. There you go. All right, well, then it's on to me, and uh, I just got to say, I just think, um, oh, Jesus, we're going by the dice, for Christ's sake. Uh, but let's face it, Saskatchewan doesn't win, lose at home very often, regardless of what we think. Uh, they are a home team. They are a um, um, they are a team that is very good at home. That crowd is obviously normally supercharged. Uh, I think it's too much to ask for Montreal to go into Saskatchewan and win in Saskatchewan. So I predict that the dice will provide us with a Saskatchewan victory in our second game. Okay, game three. Uh, sorry, I should before I go. CJ, believe it or not, is also picking the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to win. Uh, this weekend. So three Saskatchewans, one Montreal. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe Will will come out looking good on this one after this game. We'll see. We'll see. Because right now he's the only one picking Montreal. Okay, uh, game four or game three of the week is on Saturday night at BMO Field, or it would have been at BMO Field. Uh, it's the Battle of Ontario with the Hamilton Tiger Cats against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, it's um, yeah. So. Grey Cup finalist against also ran from last year. Are they improved enough? Let's see what everyone thinks. I'll start with Will again. Hamilton and Toronto. <clears throat> Hamilton and Toronto. Oh, man. Is that at Hamilton or at Toronto? It's in Toronto. Hamilton at Toronto. It's in Toronto. Oh, you know what? I can see... I can see Ryan Dinwiddie with his great new offense and Matt Nichols coming out and just throwing the ball yards upon yards upon yards, and Hamilton doesn't have a chance. That's why I'm going to pick Hamilton. Thank you. I think that makes uh, good sense. Uh, Mark, do you agree? you think Hamilton will win this one? Yeah, I think I have to agree with that. Nichols doesn't have Harris anymore. Um, Hamilton's just going to walk all over them, or would walk all over them. Yeah, I'll go with Hamilton. All right. Um, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, Hamilton's a, a much better team than Toronto. Um, Ryan Dinwiddie, uh, new coach. I think he's got some work to do. This was a bad team this year, last year. Uh, new coaches here trying to turn things around. It's not going to happen overnight for Toronto. So I'm going to go three for three and pick uh, Hamilton in this one. Uh, let's see. Uh, and uh, CJ makes it a clean sweep. He also takes Hamilton in this one. So four for four, we've got uh, Hamilton over Toronto. All right, week number th- three, or week number two comes to an end with the Ottawa Red Blacks going into Edmonton. Edmonton's getting two uh, home games. How about that? Both the Alberta teams get back-to-back home games to start the season. Who did the schedule? They're the only ones. 
But uh, Ottawa in Edmonton to face the Eskimos. Mark, what do you think? Any chance of Ottawa here? Um, I'm pretty sure I know three of three, three of the four of us will take Edmonton. We, I don't think we'll will because he just can't. But like yeah, you got to go with Edmonton here. You have to. I, yeah. I'm not the biggest uh, Trevor Harris fan, as we all know. But yeah, it's Ottawa. And they're in a rebuilding stage still, even with all the changes they made. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Edmonton. Will, are you going to take Edmonton over Ottawa? Yeah, no chance. Nick Arbuckle is going to go into Edmonton and throw the lights out, okay? Because Edmonton Edmonton can never win games, despite... Do they even have a quarterback? Oh, yeah, they have Trevor's Mr. Inconsistent Harris, okay? Um, I'm going to pick... Uh, I'm going to pick Ottawa. Really? Of course. Yep. All the good you got picking uh, Montreal, you just gave away taking the Ottawa Red Blacks. But that's okay. Uh, I'm picking Edmonton. Um, Ottawa's not a good football team. They weren't last year. They won't be this year if if they play. I'm not even convinced they're going to be a good team next year. So, uh, yeah, I don't... um, I don't see Ottawa going into Edmonton and beating the Eskimos. Uh, and again, who knows? Maybe the dice has a surprise for us or not. But no, I'm taking uh, Edmonton as well. I think uh, that's just good common sense. I think so. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking we should make uh, Stephen Sparksman take video of him rolling the dice, just in case somebody has paid him off. I have no problem with that. Okay. If you're listening, Stephen, we want video proof, okay? Hmm. Anyways, All right. I'm just being silly. Go ahead. Okay, so we have... That's our four-game previews. It's amazing when the games aren't happening how quick these previews go by. Normally, we... We've taken, been known to take an hour and a half to do four game previews. So, but when hey you're, they're being decided by dice and they're not really playing on the field, it's uh, you know not uh, all that in depth you can get. But that's good. We've gone through that. So we will move on to segment number two. So this goes back to whether or not we're going to. Um, we're going to even get a real season, or if we're going to be spending all year um, uh, doing game predictions based on the roll of a dice. But the CFL is still considering multiple options for returning to play. Now, there's been a lot, in the last week, there has been a lot of contention uh, between the CFL and the CFL PA about whether or not the they're not the CFLPA is not happy right now because they see the CFL is not communicating with them. Why is it me or is ever since Randy Ambrosi has taken over as commissioner, the communication between the league and the players association has been dreadful because this is not the first issue we've had on this subject. 
This is about five or six, going all the way back to the CBA negotiation from uh, last year, a few years ago, and then there's been other um, issues with that. But ever since Randy Ambrosi took over as commissioner, and it's weird because he is an existing, or excuse me, he is a former player in the CFL. So I thought he would have been good communicating with the Players Association. But it just seems that every time I turn around, they're arguing about something. And it's getting really annoying to read it over and over again because uh, the players are just wanting to be kept in the loop and the league is just not talking to them. But anyways, they are talking about um, a few different things. They're talking about a hub city. They're talking about the adopt-a-team model that we discussed last season uh, or last week. Seems like a long time these days. Uh, but they're wanting more favorable science and testing, which could lead to a more favorable financial model being acceptable, i.e. fans in the building. So who knows? Um, so wh- what do we think? Uh, what's the best option here? Is it the hub city? Is it the adopt team model? Is there any chance we're going to see fans in stadiums before the end of 2020? So all of these are different discussions. Um, uh, I'll just go to Mark first. Mark, what do you think about this? Uh, the the uh, what should we call it? The the league uh, communications with the players, and you know what are they going to do for a season this year, and what makes the most sense? Uh, well, I'll take John Ambrosi first for sure. Um, the guy's an idiot. I guess he's forgotten what it's like to be a player. Because, like you said, there's been nothing but them bitching at each other constantly. Every issue that comes up, they bitch at each other. I get it that there's really no news that they can give the CFLPA and the players because they're still deciding on what to do. But the players should be involved in the decision. I would think. I know it's not going well in any of the other major sports, but uh, to me the players should be involved because it is their livelihoods too. And I'm hoping Ambrosi doesn't come to them and say, okay, this is what we're doing. We're prorating your contracts. We're doing this. We're doing that. There's no negotiations. Here you go. Because I don't know if the players make enough money, a lot of them, to fight it. They'll just, okay, see ya. And that could kill the league. I just see Ambrosi being a jerk about it. But for the options, if it's going to be one hub city, it's only going to be Toronto or Vancouver. I can't see them putting it in Toronto because their numbers are still pretty high on the COVID stuff. So really, BC is the only city with big enough hotels that are close to BC Place. So I do like the adopt team model. That is the one I like the most. Yeah, I just the think adopt-a-team it's a neat way to do it. Was interesting. I, I really I like that yeah. idea too, to be honest. And Winnipeg is moving into their phase three of opening June 21st. We start on that. And they're loosening a lot of restrictions. 
there's going to be large crowds allowed again and that kind of stuff. Not large enough to put him for the stadium, but that bodes well for September. Yeah. If our numbers stay low, that bodes really well for September to maybe get fans back in. So the adopted team could work. Because if it comes down to it, if I have to watch Calgary play BC at IGF, okay, I'm cool. It's it's CFL football. And if they only allow a quarter of the fans in or whatever, it's still football. So I can go and boo BC the whole time. I just think it's a neat idea. Go ahead. All right, Will, what do you think? Um, I just I just want to see some concrete answers, and I want to see them decide what they're going to do. Like, I mean, is it? Is the CFL that complicated compared to the NBA, compared to the NHL playoffs? Because I think those things are more or less decided, are they not? Pretty close. And and we don't seem to have any problems with players and management at each other. They're going to go play the game and take it from there. Why is the CFL such pain? Is it because... It's Canadian-based. Is it because the owners don't want to spend any money to make a season happen? Or don't, I don't know. I don't know. And you're still not, you're not getting anything out of anybody. And I, 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 I too, like the Adopt-A-City thing. Um I, I'd love it if it happened so that we could watch football because that's all I care about is watching football. And I would go to the stadium tomorrow if there was a football game. And nobody's decided anything yet. And, you know, if you're going to prorate the players' contracts, then prorate them. But, like, let's make some decisions because this is... Uh, this is the middle of June. Pitter-patter, guys. Let's make something happen. I mean, they're talking in Alberta, and I don't know about Manitoba or BC, but in Alberta, they're talking about opening the border next week, I do believe, July or June 22nd or something like that. Or no, sorry, July 21st, by mistake. And... If that's the case, then everybody can come across the border and go to work. If you know what I mean. Yeah, our At border opens up on June 21st. June 21st. Or July to 21st. the west. Which? Yeah. Ours is June okay. 21st for west. Okay. So, you know, like, let's make some decision. Let's get it going. And there you go. And, I mean, I noticed Calgary's... Uh, Calgary Stadium for the players open today. Um, I think Winnipeg has already, and so has BC's. Is that correct? Yep. The which? So, their stadiums for guys to practice with each other or play with each other. Uh, yeah, with the practice. Work out with yeah. each other. 
the Lions opened yeah. theirs. I think it was last Monday they opened theirs. Okay, so they're all practicing, so they got to be practicing for a reason. Let's get it together. And as far as I don't know if you mentioned Mark that if Randy Ambrosio doesn't include these guys, none of them will play or they'll walk. I don't think that's going to happen. I think some of the young ones might. The ones that are just coming in. Just yeah, but where are they going to where where are they no, going to play football at? The, where at where? Move on. Move There's on already where? a lot of players. No, no, they won't be playing football. They'll be done football. Oh, okay. They'll move on. There's a lot of players okay. that are already getting jobs, like regular jobs, because they don't know what's going on. And not everybody's like Big Hill and, you know, basically is handed a job with his contract. Right. So they're just taking whatever job they can get. And you know what? Some of them might just say, fuck it, I'm done. The young um, ones. Could be, but I don't know. It's uh. I know a lot of the uh, veterans are making noise and so on. I know, the, well, the thing is, some of these guys want want to, um, the, I believe that the CFL actually filed a grievance, against, or the, excuse me, the Players Association filed a grievance against the league. Basically, yeah. I think they're trying to get, or they want to get their contracts voided. Now, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry, because... Um, they're trying to. I think they're trying to use that lo- loophole that we did, talked about before, saying if the league shut down, uh, then their con- the contracts are basically null and void. Uh, I think we pretty much all agreed that that wasn't the key, that that was basically um, what that meant is that the league shut down. Period. Uh, like folded. That would. That's what that was. So. Uh, I don't know. So, um, I don't know. Uh, there was a report that came out late today saying that they were actually going to meet and talk, I think it's tomorrow, uh, to discuss the Hub City plan. So, maybe there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel there. So, But as, all, as I've always said before, uh, when we're talking about... Um, Negotiations before between the players' association and leagues, and, and this applies to any sports league, not just the CFL. That they don't typically get um, done until the very last minute. They always hang it out, and there's always negotiations through the media and people saying, "This is my final offer. This is my final offer." We're not negotiating it, blah, blah, blah. 98% of that kind of talk that you see publicly is PR crap. And uh, typically nothing gets done until the last minute. So they're probably going to go through this and um, um, bicker some more, and we'll see some bad words in the media, and let's hope that the cooler heads prevail and they figure out a way to get something done. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, what I'll say, though, is that you, we've seen other leagues, like the NBA. They've got their stuff pretty much worked out. They're starting uh, next month. This, uh, the NHL looks like they've got their planned out. Planned out. They've got some other details, basically, to iron out, but they've pretty much got their stuff worked out. Uh, but it seems like when you look at like Major League Baseball and the CFL, for some reason it's just gotten so contentious, and it's ridiculous. And it doesn't need to be, 
but you always see these guys, and you see this a lot when you have labor stoppages too, guys trying to negotiate through the media rather than negotiate uh, face-to-face or by conference call or whatever. That never works. All it does is just piss people off. But the people don't learn because we see it over and over again, and it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense, but... You know, it is what it is, so let's hope they can get this thing figured out sooner rather than later and we don't have to put up with a bunch more of this he said, she said, Twitter arguing nonsense because it, it does not nobody any good. Has anybody wondered how much the owners have to do with this? Because generally, what is the CFL commissioner? He's a spokesperson for the owners. Yeah. And unless Ambrosi's changed that, too, is this the owners fighting it? Like, it's, it's, I'm wondering if that's part of it. Well, Yeah, you and, take and, three teams out of that but because they're community-owned. But So is there six guys fighting back and forth or what? And I, I tend to wonder... You know, I was listening to another podcast last week, and Bear Woods and Nick Lewis were on the podcast, and they came up to the the subject of the CFL losing money last year, okay? And those two guys were laughing. They said the CFL made all kinds of money last year. So now I wonder who you believe anymore. You know what I mean? what are they basing that on? I don't know. I guess experience as being players in the CFL, because they were they were throwing around the dollar amount to two hundred million dollars. Okay. Mm, I have a lot of. <laughs> I'm very skeptical about that. The thing is, is what privately owned team put some numbers out? None. The only teams that put their numbers out are the community-owned teams. Is the CFL the only league that hides contracts and revenues and losses? Maybe. See, you know, when everybody's talking about... I think pretty much everyone else does, puts that info out. And we're going to be talking about it, I think it's in the next segment, too, or in a couple of segments. The, another part of it, the CFL just, they seem to be back asswards the whole time. They're always playing catch-up. They don't seem to think it's a big deal that we don't know the exact salaries, even though we do get a ball, pretty good idea from a lot of the big names. But... Let us see this stuff. We're interested in it like we are with the other leagues we follow. It comes into when you're doing betting. It comes into when you're just doing picking games. All that stuff, it all comes in. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they hide it. Why are you they know, hiding it? it? It's funny, since this whole COVID thing has started in and trying to get the league up and going, I've noticed that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I and I think the CFL generates generates a lot of it. 
Oh yeah. And I wonder what that's all about. Like like baffle them with bullshit, <laughs> confuse them beyond confusion. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And and I I think it's it's kind of given me a sour taste in my mouth about the CFL. And we got to get back to playing games, or I think that sour taste in people's mouths is going to spread. So, I don't know, man. Yep. But they got to get this figured out because right now it's making the league look bad, and uh, people are starting to say, "Oh, it's looking like a bush league again," and they—that's—they're trying to get away from that, and. Randy Ambrosi, I'm sorry that you. Uh, I, I go keep going back to this. Ever since he's taken over, it's been contentious, one after another after another, and it, it has to stop. Yeah. Because it's it's not going to get any better. You've got to work with your players. Like I said, the NHL and the NHLPA, they work together. They got things figured out. The NBA and the NBA PA, they got together. They got things worked out. Are you seeing a trend here? You can't sit there arguing on Twitter with each other. It's not going to do any good. And Randy Ambrosi, you and the league got to start talking to your players. You can't leave them out in the cold. It's just going to get more and more contentious. I'm, to wait. I'm shocked that it's like it's that kind of relationship because Randy Ambrosi is a former player. I know. That's what I. That's what I said. I said exactly. And it doesn't and, make sense. and is it is it so contentious because these guys know that he's a former player and they think he's a sellout? What do you think? It's entirely that could very possible. Easily be it. Yeah, it could very easily be it. Or it could be that they well, pretty much the same thing. But they thought, oh, well, now we got a former player as commissioner, it's going to be better. But is Randy Ambrosi thinking to himself, well, because I'm a former player? I don't want uh, the owner thinking I'm a pushover, so I'm going to play hardball with them. I don't know, but, I mean, it just seems bizarre to me. Yep. Anyways, uh, just ridiculous, but let's hope that they figure this out because other leagues are figuring it out. There's no reason that the CFL... And these other leagues that are figuring it out have like 30 teams. The CFL has eight. These other leagues got to get like 40, 50, 60 games. The CFL could probably get away with uh, scheduling uh, like 10 weeks with one game a week per team. So figure this out. It's, It's not rocket science. Nope, not at all. Nope. You wouldn't right. think. But. You wouldn't think, but for some reason, the CFL always seems to uh, make things harder on themselves than it needs to be. I've never understood why that is, but it is. But I don't know. All right, so if there's anyone else on that one? No, I think we beat that up pretty good. All right, here's something else that we can beat up. This is even more ridiculous. The Toronto Argonauts, we, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, they were in violation of the salary cap. Uh, now it comes out this week that for some reason 
because of COVID-19, the Toronto Argonauts are not going to be fined for going over the salary cap. And if you're North saying... And nor is Montreal. So if you're sitting there saying to yourself, huh, you're not alone because this doesn't make any sense. This makes no rhyme or reason. You're over the salary cap. You get fined for that. What in the world, what world is Randy Ambrosi living in? Will, can you understand this? Because I sure as hell don't. Uh, well, maybe. So, now, don't you get fined? What is the fine for going over the salary cap? Is is it the amount that you went over you get fined for or something like that? How does that work? Can we remember this? I don't remember off the top of my head. The first? I want to say first fifty thousand, but it might be first hundred thousand is a dollar for dollar fine. Let me see if I can find it. I'm pretty sure with that. And yeah, that's what I. If it gets up higher, it goes into draft picks and stuff. Right, that's what I thought. I think you're right on that. Um. So, uh, so did any, does anybody know how much they went over? Nope. No, it hasn't been reported. Okay. They, they announced that he went. They went over. They just didn't announce by how much. So is it twenty-seven bucks or is it uh, two point <laughs> three million? You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah, like this is again league I, league transparency. There is none. You know, and and once again, uh-huh. a lot of people are using the Corona thing as a crutch. Okay. They're using it as an excuse for all kinds of stuff. And maybe Randy Ambrosi is no different than anybody else. Why should you punish Toronto, who's already in a dire position, I guess you could say? And in reality, most of the management that went over the salary cap is not there anymore, correct? And they've replaced all their coaching guys as well. So I really don't have a problem with him ignoring it. Because I think it's just a, I think it's just a, a figurehead thing anyways. Unless, because nobody ever really violates it that badly. Because, I mean, Here, if you... Here's if the you, thing from TSN for the amounts. Okay. First 100000 is a dollar for a dollar. One hundred yep. to three hundred thousand is two dollars for each dollar over, and three hundred thousand plus is three dollars for one dollar over. Um, how could you be three hundred thousand over the cap? How is that even yeah. possible? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think they're minor fines, anyways. So yeah. You know, and well, and the I one mean, the Toronto... riders got the one year. That we ragged them about yep. all the time. What were they like? Twenty thousand over, and it was because of major injuries that they'd had throughout the season, and they just kept having to sign more players. It wasn't that they were cheating, as we all love to rag them about. It was simply a booking thing because they'd lost half their team to injuries. So, 
I mean, you look yeah. you look back at at Edmonton. Was it two years ago or three years ago where they had so many injuries continuously, mm-hmm. and they didn't go over the salary cap? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, true. So, so, I mean, these guys are experts at playing with this thing. So I, I just. I don't know. I I don't have a problem with not fighting teams, even if they went over. Because I mean, say Toronto went over thirty thousand dollars. Like, who's it going to help by collecting a thirty thousand dollar fine? Well, but this is the problem. Then, if that's the case, then you may as well just get rid of the salary cap. Because if you're going to let teams go over the salary cap unchallenged and unpunished, then there's not even a reason to have it. It sets a terrible precedence because then, well, if teams are going to go over the salary cap and they're not going to get fined, they're not going to pay any attention to it. And then teams with owners with deep pockets. Well, there's an interesting. There's an interesting. There's an interesting concept. Don't have a salary cap. Yeah, but then you then you're going to get the big owners in the big markets, guys in Vancouver, Toronto, and so on. That have the big, big money. They're just going to outbid these community-owned teams who can't afford it, and you're going to have a league of haves and a league of have-nots. That's why you have to have a salary cap. It gonna work. And how much? Oh. Is, I'd like to know how much Montreal is over the salary cap. Yeah, they've got to be over substantially. And does this factor into it? Maybe. Could it be a condition of the sale of the team and the new owners going, uh, I'm not paying for a salary cap violation from last year. Mm, we did not own the team. Question. Why do we pay it? Or it could be we may not buy the team if all of a sudden this happens, depending on how much they were over. Because I just saw in an article, Montreal one other time was $108,000 over the salary cap. Yeah, I'm thinking they should punish the people that are responsible for it. Didn't the CFL <laughs> yeah. run that team last year? Yeah, so then the CFL yeah, exactly. got to pay for it. So, so maybe here, here's a thought, guys. Here's a thought. Maybe they're not fighting Toronto because they're not fighting Montreal because it would be kind of like them giving their own money back or something. I don't well, know. Well, exactly. Exactly. And and so maybe that's why. I'm wondering if Montreal does factor into it. That's an interesting... You know what? I, until you brought that up, I never actually thought of that. But that's a very interesting question. And the other thing is, didn't each team pay money to keep Montreal afloat last year? They did. So maybe the league is just saying, well, yeah, okay, don't you went over the salary cap, but you also gave us $800,000 to keep these guys afloat. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the only reason Saskatchewan Rough Riders lost money this year, technically, is because they had to pay to keep the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL. It's ridiculous. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're going to find them for going over the cap? So that means the teams would have to pay for that because they were the owners, I guess. 
Again, Randy Ambrosi, what are you doing? Yeah, but, okay, explain something to me. How did Canada's team lose money this year? $500,000 they'd already spent or something like that for Grey Cup. Yep. They wouldn't have been losing money without COVID canceling the Grey Cup. It was money that was already put in to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that hurts. Yeah, but even when they say they lost money over $500,000, I find that hard to believe. Because It was stuff that they had already set up. I know, but have you seen the crowds in, in, in Saskatchewan? Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. They're pretty yep. good. And I'm thinking those dudes drink beer as well. <laughs> okay, and I'm thinking, I don't know, I've never been to the Riders Stadium. Do you think they have diesel pumps outside the stadium <laughs> just so they can get gas sales after the game? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Probably. I don't know. I don't know how Saskatchewan loses money. I'm sorry. I I just I I just find these things all kind of. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. once again. I've had my I've had my conspiracy theory hat on for quite some time now. Okay, and I just and and if you go back to, you know, most of these guys what they've talked about is is these teams just being a tax break for most of these wealthy owners, okay? Well, you know, a, a non-for-profit thing, they try and hide a lot of stuff too, so they don't want to show a profit. So I I don't know, man. I just, I just wonder. That's all. Once again, with Ambrosi and not saying anything to anybody about anything. Like again, okay, they were fun, they went over the cap. Well, how much? Oh, mm-hmm. what kind of information is that? They went over the cap. How much did they go over? Because I want to laugh at them even more because they only won four games. That's the thing that got me. They go over the salary cap, and uh, they were a crap last year. It's just uh, I don't get it. I mean, don't you normally spend a bunch of money um, to win? Normally, but uh, with uh, James Franklin and so on, uh, good luck. All right. Uh, anything more on this salary cap thing, or shall we move on to next topic? I think we're good to move. Yep. See if we can find any other stuff to bash Randy Ambrosi on. Um, okay, well, this is something he's actually, I think, well, my opinion, he's doing right. Uh, the CFL has joined in with the other major North American sports leagues, Voicing their support for single-event sports betting in Canada. Currently in Canada, you have to bet on multiple games and so on. It's not like you go down to Vegas and you put 50 bucks on, you know, the San Francisco 49ers against the 
uh, New England Patriots. No, you got to bet, um, you know, multiple games like in the sports lotteries and stuff like that. Well, all of the major North American sports leagues want um, single event sports betting allowed in Canada. So you'd be able to go to a place, uh, betting, sport book, whatever, and bet on one game at a time. So the CFL has joined in this along with the NBA, Major League Soccer, uh, Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the CFL. Uh, is this something that should be, um, you know, done at this point here, in, you know, in 2020? Well, what do you think? Should the people in Canada be allowed to bet on single-game sporting events? You see, I I don't I don't bet on on things. So is that so? That's not common practice is to bet on single games. Not in Canada. You can do it in the U.S., but it's not allowed in Canada. Uh oh. Oh okay. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on this because I don't really bet on games. So, mm-hmm. ahead, Mark. You have more content than I don't bet a lot, but part of it is because I would only really bet on CFL because it's the sport I watch the, the closest. And there's almost always an upset every week or a damn close game that you lose because you didn't take a tie on your pro line. Sports select ticket. Why can't I just bet on one game? I've got a family member who loves to gamble on sports. Loves it. It doesn't stop him that we can't. It doesn't stop him at all. He just bets through Vegas or bets here or bets there. He gets around it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like just us doing it. Like... It's 14, what was the number, 14 billion or 4 billion, they said, goes out, or is it, like the amount of money that's lost on the black market, and they could use this as funding for COVID stuff, it would make sense, that's what it said in the article, where is it here? Uh, of course, now I'm not going to find a number, right? It just—it's silly that you can't bet on one game. You can't throw out the United States. Like my wife and I go down to Grand Forks. First thing I do is I go into my bet on CFL games on one game. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could be doing that and keeping the money in Canada. Right. Wouldn't that make sense? No, to most people, yeah. Like, I don't understand why we don't have it. It is 2020. It's not 1960. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, $14 billion is spent on single event wagering. 95% of it exists underground on the black market or through offshore websites. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Think of that money if it stays in Canada. Hell, Manitoba is perfect for it to show what gambling does. We got casinos everywhere. 
Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. You, what, it's one game betting. I don't know how it would hurt anything. I don't understand the prohibition on it. Yep. Go ahead, Charles. Well, it's weird that I could go down to Las Vegas and walk into any sport book on the Las Vegas Strip in any one of the hotels, walk into the sport book, and bet on any single CFL game I wanted to. But yet I can't do that anywhere in Canada. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, like you said, what did you say, $14 billion on single-game sports betting? This is a, a new revenue stream, not just for the CFL, but for all leagues. Why are we not doing this? I mean, there is a talk about, hey, you know, there's gambling addicts. People get to, I uh, get to, um, uh, you know, get addicted to gambling and this and this and that. I got news for you. If uh, a gambling addict has a computer or a cell phone, they don't need to be betting uh, in any single game and going to the li- uh, local uh, store and buying. They can do it on the Internet. It's not uh, just because it's not there doesn't stop it from happening. You can go on the Internet to any offshore gambling site, bet on CFL games there. Why not open this revenue source up to Canada and add it to the Canadian economy? It just... It boggles the mind, uh, the the thinking on this, because it doesn't make any sense. Let them bet on the uh, let them bet on the games, uh, the way they are. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know why. If you've got all of these uh, casinos all over the place in in Canada, let them open up a sports book, and just like they do down in Vegas, and let them bet on games there. Why not? I don't get the reasoning behind it. And uh, like I said, if people worried about people addicted to gambling, they've got multiple outlets for that. It's not going to make a huge difference. So, yeah, I just think it doesn't make sense to me. Let, let, let them open it up. And let the, uh, let's open it up a new uh, revenue stream for these. I think anyways. And for the people that talk about the... Um problem gamblers, the addicts. You do what they do in Manitoba, and I'm assuming anywhere else that there's casinos. Some of the money that goes in comes out into gambling help. Right. You know, there's programs and everything else that they set up from the money that that people are spending in Canada. It just makes sense. You can fund programs. You can give us another option to gamble legally in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid not to. And like you said, it's a revenue stream. Yeah. Think how much money would be spent on NHL... And NFL, single game tickets in Canada. Never mind the CFL. It would be billions just on those two. Probably billions, yeah. All staying in Canada. I can't argue. It's a no brainer, but 
it is Canada, so and I'm not a big better. I don't. I wouldn't see myself uh, betting on a lot because I'm not a huge gambler. But I mean, to me, it just still makes sense to do it. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Yeah, a big gambling bet on the CFL for me is I'll take three teams, three games, and I'll bet twenty bucks. Yeah. You know that that's a well, huge bet for me. for me. Yeah. Would I put twenty dollars down on one game? Hell no. I'll put five. You know, like, come on, guys. But at least <laughs> have the option. It's twenty twenty. I just don't understand why people are so resistant to this. It doesn't make sense to me. What are we? What are we uh, resisting? What I'm resisting right now is my internet because it's been crap all night, <laughs> and it's really annoying me. It keeps going in and out. But anyways, uh, anything else here? Will anything? Any more thoughts on this? Or are you good? I'm good. All right. Sounds good. All right. So let's move on now. Then we've talked about gambling, and uh, another person who kind of gambled and uh, has lost up to this point, Darrell Walker. Uh, apparently, uh, is still not budging from what he wants salary-wise. He's holding his position. So basically, he wants the same amount he did when free agency started. Uh, so is he being delusional here? I think he is. Will, what do you think? Uh, is he going to get anywhere near what he wants? Well, I don't think he is, but is there somebody um, stupid enough to pay him in a prorated season? I'm pretty sure there is. Um because, you know, a prorated season, he'd probably want 100, 130K for dying games. And I can see a team shelling that money out for him as long as it was only a one year contract and it ended at the end of that year. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I mean, you could probably sign three guys for that kind of money, you know, younger, stronger faster, just don't have as much credentials as he has. So I I don't know why he's not worried unless he's a smart guy and he saved all his money and he doesn't need to work that much or he's got a good gig or he's got a side gig or he's got businesses. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but I, I don't there might be a couple of teams that are silly enough to offer him that kind of money, and if that's the case, so be it. You know what? Bottom line, if you don't ask, you don't get. Pretty simple. Is I Do I think he's delusional for asking that kind of money? Absolutely, I do. But there's bound to be one team out there that will pay for it. Go ahead. Mark? You know, I've said all along that Darrell Walker... If he's going to end up anywhere this year, it'll be in Winnipeg. I still think that. But I also think, you know, there easily could be other teams that come into play because, okay, you want 
250 prorated for nine games, 120. Well, let's see how our season looks first. Whichever team, say Winnipeg, starts off 3-0 and or 4-1, and something like that. Do we really need to spend that money on Darrell? Nope. And then another team starts off slower, but they don't want to spend the money yet. They wait five or six games, and you know what? We're starting to get better. Okay, we're six games in. There's only three games left. Sure, I'll sign them for thirty or forty thousand bucks, no problem. So you could work it around that way for the money. But he's not getting no two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He didn't get it when he first asked for it in free agency when it started. The big money contracts are done the first day, maybe two days. This is how many months into free agency and you're still sticking at two hundred and fifty thousand bucks? I hope he got some side gigs because I just don't see anybody paying that money right now, especially with the COVID. Teams are going to look to cut costs, not add. So it's going to be interesting to watch play out. At least he's kept it out of the media. I don't see him on social media bitching and complaining that nobody wants me and blah, 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 blah. He's, he's stayed quiet, so I'll give him that. But yeah, no, I don't. I just don't see him getting two hundred and fifty thousand bucks, even prorated. I just don't. With everything going on and teams looking to save money, they're not going to add a huge contract now. So, go ahead, Charles. You got to pick your battles, and he has not picked the right one here. And especially in these times, he he was going to have uh, a tough time getting the, uh, near that number before everything happened. Now with COVID-19 and teams cutting costs and so on, and it wasn't on the agenda, but we should probably talk about it too, the report that the coaching, uh, that the football operation budget is going to get cut for next season. He's not going to get, even in a prorated salary, anywhere near $250,000. That's a pipe dream. If he was going to get it, he would have got it early on in free agency. Someone would have signed him. That's why he didn't sign. He priced himself out of uh, too many teams. Too many teams probably wanted it. They said, nope, we're not gonna, he's, I'm not going to budge. Well, that's fine. You don't have to budge, but then you're going to look at not getting signed, and I don't think he's going to get signed because I think he had his shot and I think had he been reasonable about his salary expectations, he probably would have been signed quickly in free agency. But he's apparently sticking to his guns and not moving, and sorry, that's going to cost you cost you money, and I just don't see him getting it. Even prorated, I don't see him getting it. And I think he's um, fighting the wrong battle, to say the least. And it hasn't gotten easier for him. It's gotten harder because of COVID. And it's not going not gonna to get any better. All right, anyone else with any further thoughts on Darrell Walker? Or as I call them, Derek Walker in the agenda. 
Yeah. I was just reading some of the comments on uh, the Three Down Nation article about Walker, and they're, they're quite entertaining. One guy um, is an Argo fan. He's trying to figure out why Toronto has signed uh, Macbeth two straight, who has led Toronto to two four and fourteen records two straight years, um, but they won't sign Walker. Well, you can't put that all on McLeod Bethel Thompson. No, I mean, they, no, they not at crazy. all. That's on Toronto for signing him yet again. Yeah. Yeah, that's not on uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson at all. That's on the Argos. How many quarterbacks do they need, especially old? It's not like I like McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but he's only good for another year or two. That's it. He's not a young guy. Yeah, but he's he's been the best quarterback they've had in the last two years. It's true. (laughs) But he's only won eight games in two years. I think the reason behind that is nobody's ever said him he was the true told him he was the true starter. <laughs> yeah, could be because they 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 kept on playing games with him and and the never has been whatever his name James was James Franklin. James Franklin. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see what happens this year. If anything happens, right? And if you want to go that yeah. route, if you want to go that route, uh, I got news for you. That 4-14 team last year, Jay, uh, Darrell Walker was on that team. Yep. A lot of good it did him there. So well, you got to look at who's there. throwing him the football. Well, that's true, but hey. <laughs> like, you look at Walker's numbers. He does deserve to be paid up. In the higher end. Well, sure he does. But he's got to also look at reality. Yeah. You're not getting your first ask. And yeah. technically, we're into the second week of the season. And nobody has signed you. You're not getting that money. It's just not going to happen. Unless Winnipeg gives them a relatively low contract and a job somewhere. I mean, he can stick to his guns all he wants, but he's going to have to drop his price. I, he's not going to get what he wants. It's just not going to happen. Not in this climate, where we don't even know if we're going to see a game this year. And even if we do, there's a good possibility that those games will not have fans at it. And if that's the case, they're not going to have the extra money to be paying him. So if he wants to play, he's going to have to play uh, what the market will bear, not what he wants. And if he doesn't come down, maybe he doesn't pay. play. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I think, quite frankly, he's, uh, he's, uh, not, he's in the wrong ballpark here. All right, uh, I think we'll move on from Darrell Walker. Not a lot more to say with that. So this was an interesting article, I thought. Uh, um, Rod Peterson. Rod's always good for some interesting discussions, especially when he writes stuff, especially when he writes this kind of stuff. Has given a uh, list of his top ten CFL general managers of all time. 
Um, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, quickly read through this list here, and he's got in number ten, John O'Quinn, general manager in Ottawa, sixty-two to sixty-nine, and in Montreal, seventy to seventy-one. Ken Preston, Saskatchewan, 50, from nineteen fifty-eight to nineteen seventy-seven, a long time there. Number eight was Frank Clare, who was GM in Ottawa uh, from 1970 to 1978. Cal Murphy, who was GM in Winnipeg, 1987 to 1995. Hugh Campbell at six, from 1986 to 1997. Norm Kimball, who was GM in Edmonton from 1966 to 1985, is number five. Jake Goddard, who is Hamilton's GM, from 1957 to 1967, number three, Jim Pop. This ruffled some feathers. From it was in Baltimore 94-95, Montreal 96 to 2016, and Toronto from t- uh, 2017 to 2019. Number two, Wally Buono from 1992 to 2002 in Calgary, and then in 2003 to 2017 in BC, and number one on the list, who is still currently a general manager, John Huffnagel, who is a GM in Calgary from 2008 to present day. So he's been there, Jesus, 12 years now. All right, uh, some interesting placements on this list. Um, Some interesting thoughts here. Let's go to Will. What did you think of this list? Are there anyone on here that shouldn't be on here? Or is there anyone that isn't on here that should be on here? What do you think? Well, the 50s and 60 guys I can't comment on, okay? Because I don't know who they are. Sorry. Right. Um, I mean, I've heard of Frank Clare, okay? Yeah. So, you know, if I've heard of him, that must mean something. Um, But those other guys I don't know. And, And once again... Ah, making a list of the best GMs, I still don't think you can do that because you are comparing eras, okay? Take Hugh Campbell from whenever to whenever, and he had that five-run Grey Cup team, but there was no no, uh, salary cap back then. Well, he okay. was not the GM there. He was only the coach. He didn't become the GM oh, in Edmonton until 1987. So is that what it was, the 87? Okay. Or 86. I mean, there was, there was still no salary cap. Um, mm-hmm. You look at John Huffnagel, who every season he's worked in the CFL has been under the salary cap, right? So I, I have a hard time comparing those guys. But you know what? Off the top of my head, you know, John Huffnagel – Jim Pop. Um, let's face it; these guys have had successful winning teams. Um, I, I think you, and I'm probably going to get killed for this, but I think because of what Winnipeg did last year, you have to include uh, Ryan Walters. He's the GM, right, Mark? Um, I always get him and the fat guy mixed up. Who's the other guy, Mark? Okay, it's Kyle Walters. Kyle Walters. Kyle yeah. Walters, sorry. And who's the other guy? Brendan. Uh, Brendan Tammons? The, the big, the big guy. The big, 
Oh, I know the big in Winnipeg. You now. mean Wade Miller? Wade Miller. Wade Miller. What does he do? He's the president. He's the president. Okay, I get the two of them mixed up all the time. So he's obviously done a good job with Winnipeg. I mean, they've only won one Grey Cup, but I think they're really headed in the right direction, and that's a building process. Um, uh, who else is out there currently? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I you know, you'd always get my vote for Cal Murphy. Because, uh, you know, he was the GM for some winning teams, was he not, Mark? I think he was the GM and the... Was he the GM and the coach at the same time for a while? Um, For a little while, not too long, though. There is one glaring omission for me. Yeah? Um, Who's that? In my mind, I think Bobby Ackles should be on this list. I think it says why he's not. There is two oh, really? or three. Peterson <laughs> made a comment about um, some that didn't make yeah, the Bobby Ackles, yeah. He some puts Bobby Ackles and Eric Tillman in the same paragraph. Well, he said that he said they didn't make the cut, but he doesn't really say why. Yeah, he doesn't say why. He also put Roy Shivers in this category. Yeah. Roy Shivers never won a Grey Cup. They were ne- they were barely a. a, a they, they, uh, I don't even yeah, think but, they played higher yeah, than but, third yeah, with that one. Yeah, but Charles, where was he? Where was he a GM at? Oh, he was in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I know exactly why. Well, Roy well what do you there. what do you what do you expect? <laughs> okay. Yeah. What do you expect? That's why Tillman's in there too. Yeah. I mean, I would actually if, if have you, Cal Murphy up higher. Yeah, I, well, I, I would. I would too. too. And one of the main reasons. I think Hugh Campbell should be higher. Like, yes, yeah, Cal Murphy well. was a GM in the non-salary cap era. Well, you were yeah. a fan of the Bombers at that time. If yeah. there had been a salary cap, would Cal Murphy have spent the top of the salary cap or to the very bottom floor by that last penny? No, Cal Murphy was cheap. Cal Murphy was cheap. <laughs> he would have never paid to the salary cap. Charles, okay. he put a pop machine in the dressing room yes. and made the players buy their own cans yeah. of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> so, salary cap, non-salary cap. He was the cheapest GM probably in the history of football. And he still won great caps. Hell, as a and, and coach and GM, he has 10 rings. I mean, where do you where do you think um, John Hoffnagel learned some of his stuff from? He played for Cal Murphy, did he not? He did. Yeah, there he you did. go. I mean, he won a great cup with Cal Murphy. That's correct. He was the backup behind Tommy Clemens, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, there's all kinds of guys. I mean, you know, in my mind. And and just getting back on the Roy Shivers, Danny Barrett duo. 
I think those two guys are the worst coach and GM manager in the history of the CFL. They were, they were terrible for both mediocre. those years. Absolutely. There were a couple years where they got hot in the playoffs and made it to the Western Final and got beaten. There was uh, they weren't. Barrett wasn't there when they went to the Grey Cup and got slaughtered by the Ar- No, that was before Barrett. That was still Jim Daly, I think. But uh, they were not. I don't know why his name even got mentioned in this article, because he never got anywhere with that team. I think the like I said when he was there, the best they placed was third. I don't even know if those guys hosted a hosted a home playoff game. Why is his name even mentioned on this pay article? Because it's Rod it's- Peterson, and according to Rod, he, um, Shivers started the decade of excellence. From yeah, Richard. sure. Yeah, not quite. Decade of what? Excellence. What decade of excellence? It's literally what it says. Well, but you know what? If you think this about is where it, you if consider you've only the won four, if you've only won four great cups, your standard of excellence is not as high as some people's is. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just say it. I guess yeah, Roy Shivers, who pulled the Rough Riders out of the weeds and was the starting point of the decade of excellence for the green and white. But if he was doing such a good job, why'd they get rid of him? <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make a lick of sense. I don't understand the pushback from fans about Jim Pop being ranked number three. There's a lot of comments that he's not a good GM. It's, well, okay, his time in Toronto wasn't great. We can't deny that. This last time. But with Baltimore and Montreal, they just won. Yeah, they were in the East Division, whatever, but they just yeah, but won all the time. You You can also say that his time in Toronto wasn't great, but guess what? He won. Yep. A great cup. Yeah, he got a great mm-hmm. cup there. He yeah, is did that well, though. You know, his bottom line, that's been all in the great that matters. Cup 11 times and won at five. Line, that's, that's all yeah. that matters. Yep. You know, you can make all the comments about being in the Eastern Division and everything else. He still had to build those teams. And I put him into a top 20 just based on the Baltimore team. And I know they they had it easier because they didn't need any Canadians. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. He still had he to, still had to build right a team from the ground up. They were in the Great Cup the first year of existence. And all the other U.S. Mm-hmm. teams also had the same rule where they could use all U.S. guys. And, and none of them had the success that Baltimore did. No. I think Shreveport won seven games in two years. Let's I mean, say, let's say um, Baltimore was still in the CFL. How many great cups would they have by now? Multiple. Oh. On a team yeah, he but, built in a few months. But bottom line, bottom line is people don't hate Jim Pop for being a GM, okay? They hate him because he's a jerk. They hate him. 
they hate him for be, trying to be the greatest coach of all time. Okay. <laughs> hey, he tried because, yeah. very hard at that. Every time he fired a coach, he would be the replacement. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so that could be the problem. Yeah. He literally replaced Tom Higgins, a Grey Cup winning head coach. Yeah. With himself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you know, yeah, he, he he wasn't the smartest personnel guy when it came to management decisions, but man, he could build a team in a hurry. You know, you could, they can make all the comments they want that it was easier for Baltimore because of there was no cap. <laughs> they didn't have to have Canadian players. But he still put a team together in a few months and they went to the great cup. Whether that was players or coaching. And then when he gets to Montreal, they just don't stop. And now they have to have Canadian players. Yeah, and bottom line, you know, I've heard lots of players saying that they love Jim Pop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, I mean, who cares if people didn't like decisions he made? He was one of the best. He's He's got to be up there as the best, one of the best of all time. No doubt yep. about it. Yeah, I just don't get the pushback on it. No, I don't either. And hey, uh, I was gonna say, is Wally anywhere on that? Oh yeah, Wally was second. He's number right? two. Yeah, he's number two. Calgary. I might have put Calgary him number one, DC. but I don't have a problem with him being number two. Well, how many years was that in total, Charles? Well, Wally, he was uh, ten years in Calgary, and fourteen years in, years in BC. That's twenty-four years. As a GM, okay. Yeah. You should you should be tops on the list just because. 26 no years, actually. Uh, 26? 10 26, and... it says in the article. 14. Okay, because I got him from 92 to 2002, that's 10. And then from 03 to 17, that's 14. So that's... It says 26 years. You're right. I'm surprised. I don't yeah. know. But and maybe uh, uh, Rod has a problem with went math. to 24 playoffs. He only missed the playoffs twice. Twice. Yeah. In 26 years. And won five Grey Cups. And it's going to be interesting to see Huffnagel's stats when and if he ever retires. Yeah. You know, those kind of stats. How many How many years have they missed the playoffs? Will, do you know since he's been GM? Who? I, Huffnagel. Have they? The last, the last year... Oh, since he's been, since he's. Oh, he's been, never missed. I don't think he's never. I don't think they have. Yeah. No, he's never missed the playoffs. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. I'm just reading quickly through this Wally Buono thing, and it says one of the one of Wally Buono's championships came during the Cap era in 2007. Wally Buono did not win the Grey Cup in 2007, and he won two Grey Cups in the Cap year. Two in the Cap era. 2006 and 2011. This was not researched very well. No, because 07 was Regina. Yeah, 07 were the Riders. Yeah. And this is actually worked out. We can take this one step further. You said Wally, or not Wally, John has never 
missed the playoffs, you're right, because you know what? The last losing season Calgary had was 2007. Wow. So that was when they was the head coach, Dunnigan. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at that kind of stat, he does deserve to be up there, and he's active. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just insane. And and if you take it one step further, 2008 to 2015, 14, 15, he was the head coach and the GM. Uh, yeah, I was just going to bring that up, too. So that's so, even harder when you're doing two jobs. That's the same with Wally, too. For most of that time, he was also yeah. the coach. Yet another yep. shitty starting quarterback that just makes an amazing coach and GM. Yeah, I don't know what it not. is about quarterbacks, but they always, um, for the most part, quarterbacks seem to do fairly well as coaches. Huffnagel was one of the best backup quarterbacks I ever Huffnagel, saw. Huffnagel, Dickinson, yep. Ron uh, Lancaster. You know, then again, there's amazing backup. I was going to say there's some, uh, there's some uh, exceptions to the rule, and I was going to bring up Matt Donigan. <laughs> I was going to say Ron, Ron Lancaster's first coaching job. He was dreadful. Remember? You know, in Saskatchewan, when I think they won three games in two years or something like that. But he got that yeah. straightened around once he got to Edmonton. Do that. And let's see. I mean, let's see how Ryan Woody does. Because let's yeah. see, he was the ultimate backup. He was the ultimate backup, right? Yeah, for two years. Scott Milanovic. He was First ever start backup, with a break. Was yep. It's amazing how long yeah. he's been in the CFL. Yeah. Didn't we? Didn't yeah, we? Yeah, Didn't we? 15 years. 13 years in the CFL. Yeah. And his first ever start with a Grey Cup. <laughs> how many How many years did he play, Mark? Two? Three? I, th- I think it was only two. I'll have to look. He didn't play long, but he's been in or around the CFL <laughs> for 13 years. Yeah. And I'm getting like, old. Based on what? <laughs> you must think he's... They- they must think he, he must have some sort of knack for coaching for teams who have kept him along this, this long. And for well, him to get the job kind of unexpectedly in Toronto. All I know is you don't keep a job in Calgary unless you know what you're doing, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't work for Huffnagel and Dickinson unless you know what you're doing. That's true. So. He played for the Owls in, or no, that was coaching. Where's his? Well, of course, it doesn't have his player stats right away. He's been coaching since 2013, 14. He was in Montreal, 16 to 19 in Calgary, and now he's with Toronto. He actually was with the what? Bears for a year. And then he went over to Germany. Cup? What year uh, did he play the Grey Cup, Mark? Oh seven, oh seven. Against Virginia. You know, if he had a won that great cup, there'd be a statue in front of the stadium right now, eh? <laughs> oh, yep. yeah, you think? He played from 2006 to eight here, 
and then he played one year in Saskatchewan in 2010. Yeah, I was going to say, so I he's think been he did play around in... the league for 13 years. Like, not mm-hmm. the whole time, but he's been around. Yeah, well. Is it because they sit on the bench and Mappo plays and stand beside the, either the coach or the offensive coordinator and listen to what they're doing and because all they're doing, if if they have a really good memory and can soak stuff up, the information they're getting is just amazing, and they're just standing there. So they're soaking it all in and watching it. So maybe that's why. But it's crazy. Yeah, because he was. There's so many good storylines we could be watching right now. I know. It's really frustrating. Because Dinwiddie's another guy that I guess I could hate because he lost us the Grey Cup, but it was hardly his fault. (laughs) No, 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 there are some Bomber fans who don't like him because he didn't win the Grey Cup. Yeah, but those are idiots. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Wait a minute. I'm trying to remember when we were talking about uh, quarterbacks that do well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking to see where Drew Tate is right now. Um, uh, oh no, they've got him as play in Canada. But there's a guy also who should do well, I think, in coach. Oh, you know what? He was wasn't he in uh, DC last year, Charles, as a coach? Was Who's he this? a quarterback coach or something? Drew Tate. Yes, he was. You're right. Yeah, Drew Tate was the uh, quarterback coach. Right, so I wonder where he is now. I haven't heard. No, I I did. Just so you know, Charles on on Nick Lewis's podcast this week, they had uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh my God, Devon Claybrooks. Okay. Okay, which was quite an interesting interview. That's all I'm gonna say. Hmm. All I'm gonna say. <laughs> Might have to check that out. Yeah. Does he take blame or does he place blame? Um. Uh, you know what? He's a pretty easygoing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he. This guy, I don't know if you guys realize this, but one of the things I discovered about him, you know, he's got a Super Bowl ring, right? Yep. Yep. And and you know who is who he played beside, right? Nope. That I don't Warren know. Sapp. Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp. Oh God. Okay. And he's, Tampa Bay. He, he knows he knows everybody. And he's been coached by everybody and he's 
and he's got instructions by everybody. He's got he's got big plans to go forward, and I'm sure he'll get a job someday. Oh, I will. So, I guess. You know. I liked the Bond Claybrooks. I really did. I know he didn't have a great record. I had said along that I would not have been upset if they'd have brought him back for another year. I actually liked them. But wasn't it to be. Yeah, I uh I uh I I, I like and we talked about this before. I wish they had given him another year. Yeah. A rookie head coach in that kind of situation with no offensive line and this and that. And they did show improvement as last season went along, I thought. I thought they were starting to trend in the right direction, which is kind of why I thought they were going to bring him back for a second year. They didn't, but I thought they would. But I guess they decided not to. I would not have had a problem if they had him. Would it have been one of those things where the fans saying, like, just basically calling for his head and the team overreacting because I'm trying to keep the fans? Possible. Because that happens, especially in the CFL. Being, uh, it's possible, you know, being here in BC last last, um, season with him as coach, I was getting so frustrated and so bloody annoyed with so many of the people and some of the outright stupid criticisms of him, and so many of these people were whining and complaining because he didn't wear his hat straight. Mm-hmm. It was repeatedly, it was such a non-issue, it was so stupid, and I, they kept on it repeatedly, and it used to drive me nuts. I'm like, this guy's you a know, coach, who gives a damn the way he wears his hat? And the worst thing is you have to listen to the guy talk. He's pretty intelligent, okay? Yes, he is. And and who cares which way his hat is? Yeah, it's stu- okay? stupid. Like, come on. I mean, I personally think uh, I personally think Mike Riley wears his hat stupid because he wears a hat, okay? But that's mm-hmm. just me. So, whatever. Uh, some people will find any little thing to complain about. It drives me nuts. Yep. Yep. All righty. Uh, so where are we here? What do we got, about 18 minutes left? All right. Um, so let's go next. Okay, this was actually a segment I had on the list last week. But then we kind of got sidetracked last week. Uh, we had that uh, guest, uh, Mike, from Minnesota, who was on last week. So we kind of got a little bit behind and missed it. So I'm going to bring this up now. Um, hold on a second here. I'm just... Uh... Okay, so uh, this was a list put together, uh, CFL.ca, the money list. I think we might have mentioned this before. So basically... He's got his money list, basically his top player in each category on the team. So going from quarterback, running back, receiver, defensive end, blah, 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 all the way down to kicker and punter. 
So uh, let's just uh, quickly go down this list. Now, this is from Pat Steinberg from uh, CFL.ca. So at quarterback, he's got Bo Levi Mitchell. Running back, he's got Andrew Harris. Wide receiver, he's got Brandon Banks. I'm going to take him to task on that. Defensive end, Willie Jefferson. Defensive tackle, Dylan Wynn from Hamilton. Uh, inside linebacker, Henock Mwamba. I'm going to take him to task on that. Outside linebacker, Patrick Levels. Kicker, uh, Lewis Ward. And then punter, Justin Medlock. So these are his, um, his what he calls his money list. So they're basically his top players by position, or who he says is money. Um, yeah, he's been doing it all season. This article is all about the offensive line. Yes. And yeah. then he's, for offensive line, he's got Stanley Bryant for offensive tackle. Offensive guard, he's got Shane Bergman of the Calgary Stampeders. And then center, he's got Alex Mateus of the Ottawa Red Black. So this is his money list. So let's go through this here um, and give our thoughts. Um, I remember you were the one that actually shared this with me, uh, Mark. You wanted me to put this on on the uh, agenda. I actually did last week, but we never got to it. So what did you think of this list here, um, uh, this was specifically about the offensive tackles, but let's look at this list kind of as a whole. What did you think? If you look at the list as a whole, you know, I know you have an issue with Brandon Banks, and I know yep. who you want there, and I get it. Um, Enoch Mwamba, there's any number of guys he could put there. I'm not exactly positive why he's there. Patrick Levels, I don't have an issue with. Um I find it interesting that Justin Medlock, who's been known his whole career as a field goal kicker, is there as the punter, which I've been saying for the last couple of years. Um, I have no issues with the guys that are on the list at all. I'm sure there was a lot of angst about Andrew Harris being on there, you know, because he is a roid monkey. Um, After... Looking at it a little bit, I like the list. I would take out Brandon Banks as well. I would put Brian Burnham in, but I can see also why they put Banks in. Banks doesn't make the spectacular catches. He just gets yards every single time, and he's the main yep. part of Hamilton's offense. Yeah. Let's face it. And reality is, I know he was probably a receiver in college. But he wasn't mm-hmm. used as a receiver the whole time that Ken Austin was with him. It was until June Jones came in. Yep. If Brandon Banks had had this training and everything else and making him into a receiver with Austin, where would he be now? So I can see putting him in there. He just doesn't make the highlight reel catches no. that Brian Burnham does. Mwamba, well, he's also a midget, too. So. Yeah, well, Moamba, you could put any number of guys there. You could yeah. pick any linebacker virtually from every team and say, no, he's better. That's an argument. That's a homer argument, really, when you <laughs> yeah. really think about it. Um, 
I would honestly put Solomon Elamimium there myself. I'd have no issues putting Solly there because he came and he showed last year that he's not done. We all, a lot of us thought he was. He's not done. So, but the, I think it's a neat thing to do. This whole thing, like even just concentrating when they do put it out, just concentrating on the offensive line or defensive line or whatever. It is a neat thing to see. So. Go ahead. Well, Medlock, what did you think though, of this sorry. money list? Just real well, quick, you know Medlock. Well, go ahead, Will. Yep. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mark. What do you say, Mark? I was just going to say real quick about Medlock. Is he, I think he has become the best punter in the CFL at placing the ball. He doesn't have a 65-yard leg, but the bricks that he punts, he actually practices various angles of holding the ball when it hits his foot. He doesn't go for the perfect spiral. No. It's like a gyroscope. He doesn't care if it looks like crap. It's effective. You can't catch a lot of his punts. No, Because they're true. coming down and they're spinning end over end and sideways. And he's practicing that. So just based on that, yeah, but it's weird seeing his name as a top punter, but I agree with it 100% just because of how he does it. Go ahead, Will. You know what? I'm I'm pretty I'm kind of <laughs> like you, Charles. I I don't agree with uh with Enoch Mwamba, although he is a good linebacker, but I mean you can everybody has their favorites. The one guy I do agree with and 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 I'm, you know, every now and then I get a burr in my saddle that John Huffnagel will not spend money, okay? And I still cry about Stanley Bryant leaving Calgary, okay? Because Stanley you Bryant look good is, on the end of that line, Will. As they, <laughs> as they say in the article, he is the most consistent offensive lineman in the last 10 years. Yep. if not the top offensive lineman in the last 10 years. And how you can always tell with Stanley Bryan is you never notice him. You never hear his name, but guys just don't get past him. They don't get by him, that's why. And I I have seen uh, the other guy they mentioned is from Calgary, Shane Bergman, and, and they mentioned in the article that, it's, that if he gets his hands on you, your your game is done for the day. And I've seen this guy live and in person, okay? Hmm. He's got he's got just monster hands, okay? And he's a he's an Ontario farm boy, of course, okay? So like so he's another one of my favorite offensive linemen. Another guy who hasn't left Calgary yet. But don't stay tuned, it probably could happen. So but yeah, I've always wor- I've always Thought it was a bitch that uh, Stanley Bryant left. So, but in Huffnagel's defense, he has replaced him with many people. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I kind of like this, and I tend to agree with most of the picks. I would switch Burnham for for what's his name, but then again. You know why isn't Darrell Walker in there? Because he's the guy who's looking for the most money. Yeah. Doesn't that mean you're the best? I'm sure he'd tell you he was. 
I'm sure he would too. I think maybe that's half the reason nobody's signing him. So, who knows? Yeah, so obviously, like you say, I would probably um, switch Banks and um, Brian Burnham. Uh, the reason is, I think if you're talking pure receiver, the guy that can make those tough catches, uh, I still think um, Burnham is the, rece- is the um, superior receiver. Now, Banks has got more speed, and that's why he gets a lot of yardage. Because uh, a lot of these times they're dump-off passes, shorter passes, and he just turns on the Jets. And because he has got incredible speed. That's why he's also an effective um, kick returner because of his speed. But if you're going uh, receiver, um, I still say Brian Burnham is a better all-around receiver. Uh, Also, I would also (laughs) echo Mark's sentiment about uh, um, um, Solomon Aluminium. I would put him over Enoch Mwamba. I thought he was slowing down uh, at the end of his time with the Lions, but last year he, even after coming in, because if you remember, he came in late to training camp um, because of an injury, but he still has a lot of game left. So, yeah, I would definitely, um, I would um, put him there. Otherwise, I think this list is pretty good. It is kind of funny seeing Medlock, um as a punter as opposed to a, a kicker, because I think that was kind of his claim to fame uh, up until recently as a kicker. And Lewis Ward uh, had another strong year. He wasn't as perfect as he was the year before, but still a very good kicker. So, yeah. But for the most part, I think this list is pretty good, but uh, I've got those two exceptions that I kind of have a disagreement with. Yep. Any more comments on this? Nope. Nope. Good. No, other than real quick, um, on Friday, that new CFL 2020 show, or whatever it's called, um, they're doing something like this. They're going to pick the all-time teams for each team. But they're doing it for each team throughout their time. Yeah, they're starting with the Bombers. So it'll be interesting to see that. Yep. And All time. So, so have they have they started that show yet or not? Yeah, it started last week. Oh, did it? How was it? Yeah. Was I was it? out, so I missed it. I watched it. It it was a lot of the stuff going on in the states right now with mm-hmm. the people of color. Let's keep it politically correct for now. Um, there was a lot of that for the first. No, was there? at least the first half of it, if not more. Um, there wasn't really a lot of CFL player talk. It was about that. It was about what's going to happen with the league, blah, blah. But, uh, it sounds like this week they're starting to get into just CFL stuff. And I think it'll be neat to see their all-time lists for each team. Yeah. And I would imagine it could be something that might be on our agenda for next week. So Yeah, exactly. They'll actually give us something to talk about for five minutes. Yep. But we made it through this one. we got three minutes to go. Yep. 
All right, very quickly, uh, lastly, uh, this is another thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week, because uh, it, it happened last week, but it's still um, uh, worth talking about. I think that Chris Cuthbert, who has been the main play-by-play guy for the CFL on TSN for many years, he is gone from TSN. He's left to join Sportsnet, where he's going to be uh, joining up on to Hockey Night in Canada. So he has gone from TSN, so that means he will no longer be doing play-by-play uh, on CFL broadcast on TSN. And I'm kind of sad about this. I always liked Chris Cuthbert as a play-by-play guy, even though he was often um, um, paired with uh, Saskatchewan's number one fan there, Glenn Suter. But as a play-by-play guy in the CFL, he is one guy I always liked. So I'm kind of sad to see him gone from the play-by-play, especially if that means we might end up getting Rod Black even more, which, yikes. Uh, quickly, I'll go to both of you, just uh, if you have any comments on that. Go Wilden, Mark. Not really, because I don't really know the color commentators, because they watch football with the sound turned off. Sorry. Oh, okay then. Just, just the way I am. Of course, I mean, Huh? That uh, I'm sure that surprises nobody. Well, no, it's just, it's just, you know what? And and I did after he announced that he was leaving. I did watch some, listen to some highlights of his career, and, and he was a good color commentator as far as color commentators go, right? Is well, he, he better play than by Rod play guy, Black? not a color guy. Or play by play guy? Yes, he's better than Rod Black. So, God, that's not hard to do. That's not a high bar, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love it if they would uh, put, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Matt Dunnigan in this place, to be honest with you. I like Matt Dunnigan. I actually, as, a, as a, a game guy, I don't mind him either. I think he's good. Yeah. Only if he gets the early game. He gets way too tired when he does the late games. Yeah. Is that what you want to call it, Mark? I'm being nice, Will. Do you want me to say his brain scrambled too much by that time at night? (laughs) He gets a little too run on later on. I'll miss Cuthbert. I love the way he called the game. He put excitement into it. Always enthusiastic. Yeah. Yep. And please, God, don't give us more Rod Black. No, God. Find somebody else. Don't, Don't bump up Rod Black. Nobody's interested in that. They did have a new guy last year that wasn't bad. Yep. So give him more, please, please. And don't give it to freaking Farhan Lauji either. He, oh God. <laughs> he did a couple games last year in NBC. I don't ever want to hear him call a game again. He can be the sideline reporter. Do not put him on play-by-play. All right, so having said that, we've got a minute left, so we're going to have to go around and say good night. Uh, This has been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode 439. Uh, I have been your host, Charles Cliff, filling in for CJ Christopher Jones, who is off under the weather. Uh, Hopefully he is back with us next Wednesday. So let's go around quickly. Uh, Mark uh, and then uh, Will, let's say goodnight uh, quickly. we got about 35 seconds. Goodnight, everybody. I'll talk to you next week. And since we're into the season, BC sucks. Will. Good night, everybody. CJ, get better quick and come back, please. Thanks. Good night. Yep.
And I'll echo that. Please get uh, get well soon, CJ. We hope to have you back next week. And we hope to have all of you back next week uh, listening as we go over another week in the CFL or what should have been the CFL season. Good night, everybody.